came here to say that you don't really want it with us, yeah. We love you, know. We came here to say that you don't really want it with us, yeah. yeah. The sports show. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Year Sports Show. I am your host, Big Baby, a.k.a. the soul of R&B. And I have my, my lovely cast of, uh, of bandmates <laughs> to... Boy. <laughs> your, band of, your, band of, your band of misfits, basically. I can't. No, I, I was said I, I was not supposed to call y'all misfits. I got <laughs> Matt. Cursed me out last time. We all misfits. <laughs> we all misfits. So, in, our, in our own so, way, we all misfits. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm being professional. I, I cannot. I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not a misfit on camera. <laughs> well, to my right, we have the queen, Queen Tay. Yo. My bottom right, we have B K Matt. Yeah. And to my bottom left, we have the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado. What's up, everybody? So, how's everybody's weeks been? Not bad. Pretty okay. Um, as some people may know, um, the one of the companies that I work for uh, announced their partnership with Rock Nation and Title yesterday. It's been kind of a big push, but we're there. So, work, work. Yeah. That is that, yo. That is that is rose worthy for days. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's been a push, but you know I have a dope team. And um, oh, you called us dope. We love you. She always shout us. She always shout us out. She want to talk about us this time. Nah, nah. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, even when I go to sometimes when I go to some of these high profile meetings, I wear my um my year shirt or my Jabotage jacket and stuff like that. So at least there's people who, if, even if they don't ask, they'll, mm -hmm. they'll, if they see it again, they'll be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I've seen that before. You know? mm -hmm. Right, right. True, true. Pete, how was your week? I know you're, you're in um, North Carolina. Yeah, I had to come down do some uh, do some take care of some business down here. I got family down here in North Carolina, um, you know. So it's been it's been pulling at me from New York for a long time. Just you know, probably a change in uh, change in scenery. But uh, yeah, long week. Uh, but you know, it was a long drive down. But it's good to get some some relaxing. And thankfully, we we do have these uh, digital means to be able to do the shows so that we could all stay on. Though I will say, next week we may all be sh scrambling for remote locations depending on how Tuesday. It turns out. Oh, we we may be trying to find new places of, of living and everything. <laughs> but you know, um, all jokes aside, before we even get into the episode, I think it's really important that people exercise their rights to vote. I know, especially for um, Black Americans, voting is is something that wasn't always a right given to us. You know, some of our great grandparents and grandparents had to fight for that right to vote. So mm -hmm. people don't waste an opportunity to let your voice be heard. Um, no matter which side that you vote across the aisle, everyone's entitled to their voice and their vote. Right. Amen. Amen to that. Matt, how was your week? <laughs> <laughs> well. Well. Uh, it was good. 
mean, it was interesting. It was good, right? It sure was. Man, like I said, I'm just going to keep it to you got to look off the internet one of these days. But I'm good, man. It's been an eventful week. Just need some sleep. That's about it. Eventful it has been. So, let's not waste any time. Pete, quick hits. Hit us with it. All right, all right. Let's 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 get this started real quick. And we're gonna start we're gonna start in major league baseball for the quick hits for the week of October 31st. And let's start with the biggest news in baseball. The Dodgers defeated the Tampa Bay Rays to win the World Series in six games. Their first World Series since 1988, the iconic, legendary Kirk Gibson home run that we've seen played in highlights year after year after year was their last World Series. It is their seventh overall World Series. And the Dodgers had won the National League West for the last eight years and never got to this point. So really good comeuppance for them. Dodgers shortstop Corey Seager won the MVP. But a little bit of a bright spot for the Tampa Bay Rays. Rookie Randy Azarena set four records this postseason. Most hits by a rookie. Most hits overall in a single postseason, 27. Most total bases in a postseason, 64. And the most home runs in a single postseason with 10. He was in a four-way tie after game four with Barry Bonds, Carlos Beltran, Nelson Cruz. Each one of them had only hit eight home runs in a single postseason. He hit a home run in game five and in game six to take that record to 10 in a postseason. He also tied the record for extra base hits in a postseason, uh, tied with David Freeze for 14. A little bit of sad news coming out of the World Series, though. Third baseman Justin Turner of the Dodgers. I don't know if you heard about this, but he had received a positive COVID test, um, and the, and Major League Baseball decided to do a double check because they'd gotten a lot of false positives in COVID checks this year. So they sent out another sample and they get the message back. He did test positive. So they pull him in the seventh inning of game six. They pull him out of the game and take him out. Dodgers win the World Series, but Justin Turner was on the field celebrating with the team and even have pictures of him maskless on the field around players and teammates and family and news reporters and sportscasters that are out there. So a lot of negativity surrounding what Justin Turner did. Nothing coming from Major League Baseball yet about what, if any, um, punishment there will be. In some other news for Major League Baseball, the Mets finally have a new owner. Actually, last night, the Major League Baseball owners and the New York City mayor, because City Field sits on city land, uh, he had to have a say on it. Both approved the long-awaited sale of the Mets from the Wilpon family to billionaire Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen immediately becomes the richest owner in Major League Baseball, and now rumors abound as to how the change in ownership is going to affect the way the Mets do business moving forward. Now, I know all of us, we're just waiting for the Knicks to get sold. <laughs> the uh, two big managerial hires in Major League Baseball this week. The White Sox hired Hall of Fame manager Tony LaRusa. He last managed in 2011 when he led the Cardinals to their last World Series. He is the third winningest mag- manager in history, a three time champion, two with St. Louis and one with Oakland, four time manager of the year. Big question surrounding the hiring, though, is how is Tony LaRusa, a very old school manager, going to deal with a very young 
Chicago team. And A.J. Hinch, yep, you heard that right, A.J. Hinch, the former manager of the Houston Astros, the manager who was fired for the sign-stealing scandal in the World Series, has been hired at the end of his one-year suspension with the Detroit Tigers, who apparently made a phone call to him a half an hour after the World Series ended, has been <laughs> has been hired by the Detroit Tigers. He managed the Astros for five seasons, and they had a winning record and went to the playoffs every single one of those seasons. Obviously, won the 2017 World Series. Mind you, the Houston Astros had not had a winning, had not been above 500 for the eight previous seasons before A.J. Hinch took over. Going to the NFL really quickly, uh, New York Giants starting offensive lineman Will Hernandez tested positive for COVID-19 this past week. Eight other players and two coaches told to stay home in quarantine due to uh, possible exposure. Uh, John Ross, the Bengals 2017 first round wide receiver draft pick, has not played in four of the last five games and has publicly requested a trade. Has told Cincy to trade him if they aren't going to play him. He has been a healthy scratch. Packers apparently interested in Texans wide receiver Will Fuller as the NFL trading deadline is fast approaching. And uh, interesting news out of the NFL. A stat correction. So anybody, if any of us have played fantasy, we all play weekly fantasy. But we all know, like, with all these things, the daily fantasy. There was a stat correction in last Sunday's Bears-Rams game that cost a daily fantasy player a $1 million prize. Um, there, he was originally credited a sack, and it was changed to a three-yard tackle for a loss. And instead of winning a $1 million grand prize, he only won 3000 bucks. I'd be pissed. Quickly, quickly running through some basketball news on quick hits. The University of Arizona was hit with nine allegations of misconduct this week, including five level one allegations, which are the most serious in the NCAA's system. This is following a multi-year investigation into the basketball program. They are the eighth university to receive a notice of allegations. Only Oklahoma State has been hit with sanctions, which was a three-year probation and banned from the postseason. They only received one level one. So with nine going to Arizona, I wonder how this is going to affect them apparently the knicks have somebody on the radar for their second first round pick this year kira lewis the 6-3 guard from alabama apparently on the knicks radar they had dinner with him this past week and the minnesota timberwolves actually had a meeting with Lamelo ball possible number one overall pick uh, the NBA fears that delaying the start of the 2021 season until January, we spoke last week about how they're thinking about a possible Christmas start. They feel that delaying it until January could cause anywhere between $500 million to an extra $1 billion in lost revenue. This is on top of the $4 billion of projected revenue loss already if fans are not allowed back in buildings. Uh, the NBA Players Association seems to be very, very strongly against starting in Christmas. Uh, to wrap up our quick hits, it is. Uh, to wrap up our quick hits, we're going to get into this a little bit more later on. But there were some big movements in the NBA in coaching circles. Stephen Silas, the 47-year-old son of former NBA coach Paul Silas, was hired by the Rockets to be their next head coach. He was a former assistant in Charlotte and Dallas. Uh, apparently, the Rockets are targeting veteran assistant coaches to build his bench. They're looking at Nate McMillan and Jeff Hornacek mm -hmm. as possible yeah. assistant coaches there. Speaking of assistant coaches... 
Oh. Mike D'Antoni and Amy Udaka. Uh, Mike D'Antoni, previously the head coach of Phoenix and Houston, and Emmy Udaka, a highly regarded uh, assistant out in San Antonio, formerly an NBA player, have both signed on to officially join Steve Nash's coaching staff in Brooklyn. This staff already including former NBA coach uh, Jacques Vaughn. And, and our last piece of news, Daryl Morey is back. Uh, after resigning as the head of basketball operations for Houston, citing personal reasons this year, Daryl Morey has reached a multi-year agreement to become the president of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, who just hired Doc Rivers as their head coach. Elton Brand will remain the general manager. Uh, and this this is quick hits for the week of October 31st. You know what that means, right? What that means, BK? James Harden is not going to Philly. Stop that. There's, there's a lot. There, it actually has been a lot of rumors churning around that, especially because the question now becomes: Does Ben Simmons or, uh, or um, or the big man get traded? Well, since you brought that up, um, there's a lot of, like you said, you brought up a few of the blockbuster moves in management and everything like that. So, um, T, I'm gonna start with you. Uh, what team has the most approved? Out of the teams that made the changes, the Brooklyn Nets. They have the most approved. Mm. They are arming Steve Nash with all the tools to get them into the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> Just being honest. Just being honest. I mean, all right, the second round of the playoffs on the Western Conference. But maybe the Eastern Conference Finals, NBA Finals on the East, right? So mm-hmm. you have Amari Stoudemire, now you have Mike D'Antoni, you have Steve Nash, you have a few of the pieces who love the small ball, right? Mm-hmm. But you have two superstars, as part, well, one big superstar, one mediocre superstar on the Brooklyn Nets now. Yeah. So, I mean, if this is the Western Conference, they'd be in the second round, but maybe another day they they'll probably make it to the NBA Finals and lose. But um, they have the most approval, 100%. Matt, you look like you're foaming at the mouth to, to, to reply, so. But it's true. It's true. The level of disrespect that I have. Mike D'Antoni, everybody's like, yeah. Like, come on. Wow. Come on. Let's be real here. I agree with one of the things that she said, which is that that the Brooklyn Nets have the most to prove. That's the only thing that I do agree with you on. Mediocre soup. Mediocre soup. Really? You better be talking about Karis LeVert or something like that. You better not be talking about about about, about that man. Uh, exactly. That's that's, that's what I'm saying. You better not be talking about you better not be talking about who I think you're talking about. You know I am. But anyway, the Brooklyn Nets have the most to, to prove because they have the most questions. They have the most questions. They have a, a, a first-time head coach in Steve Nash. They got well, – I don't understand why Mike D'Antoni has a job. But then again, I, I get uh, he was the favorite for Philadelphia, but then Doc Rivers was available. So that quickly got killed. So, I mean, I get it. Him, Omari, and Steve Nash had great success at Phoenix. But um, past the second round of the playoffs. Yes, they got the two con- two conference finals. Did they win though? Steve Nash and Kyrie. Clearly, no. Did they no. Win those? Boy, the only the only 
The only composition they really have in the East that can really dethrone them is Miami and, and Boston. That's true. That's it. Go ahead and say Milwaukee because we don't even know what's going to happen with Giannis. No, I would never say Milwaukee ever. But I mean, they have the they have the tools to go deep in the East. That's hundred percent. I'm saying, but they gotta forget. They don't. You don't win the NBA Finals just playing the East. I know. So I feel like they they're trying to do a finals or bust type of mentality, but I just wonder if these are the right keys because I think that they'll do good as far as because Kevin Durant is a big guard to me, but I feel like they'll do really well. Um, but I don't see this being the court the coaching core to kind of take them to the next level. I don't think they're gonna. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna sit there and say I wouldn't celebrate on in Flatbush if they won the championship, but. I'm. I'm not. I'm just saying. In general, it's they have a really deep team. A really deep team. They Depending on who they move, I don't. Yeah. Depending on who they move, they're gonna make some moves. They can move that point guard. I'm not. You know what? Top for strength. You lucky. You lucky. I'm not no, no, go. Say your point. Go ahead, Pete. Go ahead, Pete. No, finish your point, man. I just want to make that statement real quick. Y'all gonna stop disrespecting Kyrie Irving. That's what y'all gonna do. Y'all gonna stop disrespecting Kyrie Irving. The man is the most skillful point guard I've seen in a long time. We're not gonna do this. We're not he's gonna the, do that. He's not a point guard. Yeah, that's right. Wow. He's a two wow. guard who plays the point. He's a combo guard. But y'all, but y'all said Russell Westbrook is one of the best point guards in the. He's a combo guard too. Yep. But I will say that Russell has more point guard proclivities than Kyrie does. I agree. We're, we're averaging like five turnovers a game. Are you serious? I, uh, yeah, he's he averaging turnovers. But I say this. Listen, Russell Westbrook is also a two guard playing a point guard's position. But Russell Westbrook can be categorized more as a as a point guard than Kyrie because Russell Westbrook will gladly pass the ball. We have seen Russell Westbrook get triple doubles. We have seen him get double doubles. Kyrie is just not built like that. He is built as a no. score first mentality well, gotta, point guard who have to the one. I gotta let that hate go. I get it. Y'all all feel some type of way because he didn't want to play with LeBron again. I get it. I get it. But let the and, hate go. And let then you see, see, you know what? Because this is gonna turn it. We we have limited time, and I'm not gonna. We're not gonna do this. Need to let it Pete, go, Pete. Please so, give me your point. Who has the most proof? I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna uh, quickly give a shout. Uh, BK and, and Tay said it, so I'm not gonna reiterate it. Right, uh, the, the the Brooklyn Nets have, in my opinion, the best team set up right now, especially in the East, uh, with Durant and uh, and Kyrie coming back from injury, and then all the players that they already had, uh, and they are building a a great coaching staff around uh, around Steve Nash. They really are. You have three guys on that team as assistants who easily could be head coaches in the NBA. Easily could be head coaches. In D'Antoni was a former head coach. No, D'Antoni was a former head coach. Uh, M.A. Odaka is a highly re- respected assistant who has received a lot of uh, coaching um, uh, interviews. And Jacques Vaughn has been a former NBA well, head I thought coach. You were gonna well. I was going to say Amari. Well, no, no. You know, of course I know Mike D'Antoni was a, a coach. He was a coach of the Knicks at one yeah. point. But uh, you got you know former uh, your three former head coaches. But I'm actually going to go in a different direction because I think they're both right with the Nets. But I think Ty Lue and the Clippers have a lot to prove as well. Yeah. They're basically they're going to return most of that team, 
right? They're going to return most of that team. Uh, they're probably going to make some additions to that team. You know, Steve Ballmer is going to want to spend some money. Ty Lue is coming in, and he's going to have those uh, those shoes of Doc Rivers to fill. And the fact that they were just there, they were just right there, almost in the Western Conference Finals this year. They got knocked out. And, 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 and play almost and, doesn't count by Brandy. Right. And but every but here's the thing, Tay, right? Almost doesn't count, but everybody was talking about how they should have been in the NBA finals. Everybody was putting them in the finals this year, you know, from, from Jump Street. So I think Ty Lu and that team have a lot to uh really prove this year. I do agree with the Nets in the East, though, but I, I in the West, I really think those Clippers have a lot to prove. Because I think the, the Rockets are gonna see a lot of changes, I think, uh, moving forward. I think you could probably give um, Philly a, a, a grace period because even though Doc's going to get a lot out of those guys, you know they're going to have some changes in Philly as well, whether it's going to be the more that are we going to see Philly become the Houston of the East or are we going to see them become a more complete team like Doc Rivers likes is going to be a question of the dueling philosophies, but um, of all those teams, I think the Nets and the Clippers are the two with the most approved in the East and the West. I feel like if the Clippers get Rajon Rondo like they plan on doing, then they 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 stand a good chance. Yeah, but Pete, that was such a, that was a great point. Um, right. I feel like the Clippers had high expectations and they kind of choked and left that choking unscathed. Yes, that pandemic. Was, pandemic that was really, really big choke. Yeah, and we all agreed that Doc was Doc likely just became the scapegoat for it. Of it was, yeah, of course. And just a little bit on, on the Doc Rivers thing. Yes, Doc was a little bit of the scapegoat, was most of the scapegoat for that. But there was also a few minor coaching tinkers he could have done, like take Paul George out, possibly, and just not play him at all. But you're supposed to go with a Paul George, though. You know, that's, that's what you're supposed to – that's what that's the, that's what Paul George was supposed to show up. But he didn't, and I don't think I think that's more on Paul George than mm. it is on Doc Rivers' coaching decision. I guess you try to keep your good your, your core guys in there, hoping that they get hot. True, 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 true. Well, um, from basketball, we have to jump into uh, college football, and you know today's Saturday, and all the college games are going on. I'm really looking forward to that. I probably miss missed right now Michigan versus Michigan State. Uh, but uh, Trevor Lawrence of Clemson tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, he is one of many stars and staff of the NCAA college ranks to catch COVID, to test positive for COVID this year. Um, my question to the table is, should college, should college just shut it down? Like, shut it down completely? Matt, I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, again, uh, I know NCAA is not on quite on the same level playing field as far as the NFL, so it doesn't really have that many big wigs playing a part where we think the only way football is going to stop in general is if the government shuts it down. Mm-hmm. So do I think they should stop? Um, not necessarily. I just think basically that, you know, they just need better precautions put in place. And I think with football being so, you know, grouped together, I mean, like every, there's too many, you know, pieces on the field at the same time, it's very likely you're going to catch it, but they just need better precautions. They need to be more 
prepared for certain things like this. So, I mean, will I shut it down? No. They just got to figure out what works for them like every other sport made, had to do. They had to find out what made things work for them. So. Um, yeah, I understand. I, I get you on that. Pete, what is what are your thoughts on that? For me, it's 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 a little bit tough because this does become a little bit politicized, right? I mean, look at the places that are getting hit the hardest in college football. They are the same states that are really not accepting accepting of the fact that COVID is a thing and it's a serious thing, and you know you got to have all these precautions and things like that. Um, you know, and 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 that's where the major problem. Look look at the it's it's. It's those conferences, the ones that are in those areas that really kind of are turning a blind eye to this. They were like, "Oh no, we gotta play football. We got it's 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 football and God. That's what we do in this in this state, right? That's what we do here." Um, and college football to me was always going to find a way around this. I always thought that if anybody was going to shut down, it was going to be the NFL, not the NCAA. I thought the NCAA they would have played until kids dropped dead on the field. Right, and then they would have found a way. To- <laughs> they close, <laughs> right? And, and, and then and then they would have figured out a way to even explain that away. Because here's the thing: mm-hmm. Nick Saban got cured of COVID nineteen in twenty four hours, so he could be on the sidelines to coach for Alabama. Right, um, right. Clem, uh, Trevor Lawrence, who we're talking about, the NCAA's guidance on COVID-19 tests is he must be in isolation for 10 days, 10 days. Okay. The test came down yesterday. I guarantee you, he will be on the field next Saturday for the Clemson Notre Dame game, especially because Notre Dame is undefeated. Notre Dame is, it is going to be a prime time game for, for Clemson and Notre Dame. I guarantee you he'll be on the field and guess what? It will only have been nine days. He's supposed to be out until next week, Sunday. But I guarantee you he'll be on the field next week for Clemson. And mm-hmm. that to me is the problem. I mean, we're either gonna we're either gonna jump. You can't, you can't, um, you can't tiptoe into this. You really can't. You gotta go both feet into the deep end and deal with it instead of kind of tiptoeing around it and trying to act like it's not a big deal. Mm. I agree. Tay, your thoughts. I feel like they football is one of those sports that can be very COVID friendly. Meaning you can have your you can have your your helmet kind of more as mm-hmm. a shield. Because mm-hmm. you're already playing with gloves. Right. So you should be able to play the sport of football in a COVID effective, anti COVID effective way. The problem is there are no real precautions protecting anyone from the COVID-19 pandemic. And the thing is, what what's it's really scary, these are highly populated colleges. So yeah. if one player or two players from a team are infected with COVID-19, that could mean half the college campus, depending on their imprint. And depending on where they go. So while I don't think they should shut it down, I think that there should be special attention made being made to how do we play this game more safely in a COVID-19 world. And football was one of the things that I thought would have been able to 
play that because you already have a, 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 a mask ish in. Mm-hmm. You could have special Huck Gators made to pro- promote social, like to promote that. You know so I don't know. I just think the I think the issue Tay was that football being such a violent sport as it is, there's so much more bodily fluids kind of going around with the sweat not and basketball. stuff like that. Not no, like I mean, right, not basketball because like you know, you know, not even base, baseball and football and hockey to me were the leagues or the sports that can kind of play in a COVID nineteen world. And I said this months ago, right? Me, like, if you're already playing with gloves and every time out, you can switch them. You get what I'm saying? Or you can have special covers across your mask that you can breathe that you can still breathe through, but it risk it takes away the contact. You get what I'm saying? From you know somebody coughing or hacking or whatever onto you. But I feel that they could play this in a better manner. I just don't I think that because the like, matter of COVID nineteen has been so highly politicized mm-hmm. that people feel like they have to pick a side. Instead of coming up with ways to kind of make this feasible. Right. Mm-hmm. On both sides of the aisle. I think a bigger issue also was a lot of these same schools that we're seeing a lot of these outbreaks happen to were also some of the schools that were 100% against the idea of fans not coming back. Um, you know, schools like Alabama and Clemson and all of them were like, oh, no, we got to have fans in the stands. It's not college football without fans. It's not this. It's not that. And I'm just like, you know, if and, – and, again, the, the bigger story to this really is – the politicization and the money in college sports, right? Yeah. Because if this was true collegiate amateur sports, you could shut down and not worry about it. But these schools have tethered their entire lifelines to football and basketball. And for some of these schools, just football. And, right, they make so much money off of this that they can't drop it. Right. Because they don't know how to live without it. It's like it's like that person who was married to a rich partner and got used to a really rich lifestyle and then gets divorced. And they're like, no, 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 no. I still need that money. I don't know how to live a life without it. That's what these schools are like now. The Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Georgias, like they don't know how to exist without the billions of dollars that they get in revenue from these football programs. And lastly, and lastly, I'm sorry, um, mm-hmm. you're not really hearing the outbreaks break out from having fans in the stands, which is going to be a big, big narrative, I feel, coming over the next couple of months, right? A lot of these teams are allowing fans to come into the stands, and you're not hearing the backlash from that. So now what we're hearing a lot of is the figures, like the, the sports teams who are having these outbreaks more than it being okay, the fans could be in the stands, which I think is going to set the stage for a lot of teams in different leagues, you know what I'm saying, starting to allow fans a lot sooner than COVID will allow for it. I agree. I agree 110%. Matt, you said um, you have the Clemson game on right now. How are they doing? Um, Shaq said it was 28 to 20, but it's how are they doing? 20 to 20. It looked like about to score there. They just scored just now. So it's about <laughs> well, 27, 26, 28. Yeah. 26-28 for now. Probably about to be a field goal. But, yeah, DJ's not playing bad at all. He's actually he's actually doing his thing. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's like 23 of 31. Right it's now. not bad. 
Not with DJ Eula Gailey starting at quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> you said it right. I can't pronounce the last name. I said, I said, you, you origami or some shit. I, I was Eula Gailey, baby. Eula Gailey. DJ Eula Gailey. Like, listen, Eula next Gailey, thing we know, I'm, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head and sad because I love him. Oh, no, I'm going to be like Mel Kuyper Jr. soon, just throwing names out and having a draft book for guys in the seventh round. Oh man, that's oh, funny. To me, that's the best part of the NBA, the NFL draft, Dre. I can't lie, because it's just like you have it's like the three thousandth pick in the draft, and Mel Kiper Jr. know everything about everything about that person. Yes, a hundred. Like what? Like yeah. Uh, he went to McDonald's the other day, and you know he he rented uh, a three five at the combine. I'm like, how do you know? He wasn't even invited to the combine. How do you know this? But, but um, staying on football, the NFL is at its halfway point. We first of all, I'm be the first one to say I didn't think they was gonna get past week four. I told you. Yes, it's not shutting down. Just the government shut them down. That's too much. Yes, yes. My two my two co hosts was like, no, it's gonna happen. I'm like, nah, it's not. And it's been a couple times where it's just like. Hey, I don't know, but um, outside of the COVID um stuff, what what has been your biggest takeaway of the the season so far, Pete? I'm going to start with you. What has been your biggest takeaway of the NFL season? The chase for the number one overall draft pick for the New York Jets. Lord. I cannot wait for this. I, I, you know, I no, I mean, and and. You know, the Jets are probably going to get the number one. I think the Jets are going to go 0-16, and it's terrible that we have uh, we have that bad of a team. I, I don't think there's a winnable game on our schedule, Tay. I really don't. Um, I mean, I know it's hard to go 0-16. I know it really is. But I don't think there's a winnable game on our schedule. Um, but I think what's really interesting to me about the NFL season this year is that a lot of the narrative has focused around very few teams, and there's a lot of teams that are, people are not really talking about too much. I think the Steelers have done really well. The Titans have done really well this year. The Bills came out of nowhere. They slowed down a little bit, but they still got talent on that team. Uh, I honestly think the NFL has gotten a little bit deeper. It's gotten a lot better this year. But what I will say is that when teams are bad – they are really bad this year. Like, the Falcons are bad. The Patriots are showing that they are bad, right? Right, the Falcons won, but they are bad. Carolina is looking bad without De- without Christian McCaffrey. They are looking really bad. So I think when, when teams have looked, it, it's really this tale of two cities in, in the NFL right now. You either have these really, really good teams or you have these really, really bad teams. Um I think isn't there a division right now in the NFL where like three wins is the top? I think it's the N- NFC East, right? With the Giants, the Redskins, I mean the Redskins, the Washington Football Team, the the Eagles, and all of them. Like that's the worst division in football, and that's usually one of the strongest divisions in football. Ooh, we haven't been strong in a while, bro. No, in terms, oh so, wow. But no, but Dallas, Dallas is usually a decent enough team. But Philly is usually enough. a decent enough. Compared to other divisions, the oh, yeah. East was always like I would say over the past five six years have been the weakest division in the league. Mm, 
Yeah, uh, yeah. In the, in their conference, they have been, but I would always say the NFC has had four very decent divisions. I mean, the football team in Washington has always been kind of bad, um, but you know, Dallas, Philly, the Giants—they usually have decent enough seasons where one of those teams is usually strong enough to kind of you know be a really good team. The NFC South and the NFC North are usually incredibly hard. And then Seattle and Arizona have really made the NFC West uh, a lot better over the last recent years. Um, but yeah, for me, it's I think it's it's a tale of two cities in the NFL. Um, no one's really pulled away. I think um, really in terms of anything, even like I can't even tell you who I think. I think what Russell Wilson's probably the MVP right now, and that's maybe just off the top of my head. That's for now. You know, I don't really know if we have any clear cut award winners right now. Um, for now. For now. Yeah, but Russell Wilson's always been kind of at the the cusp of MVP yeah. for the past few. If he's just a, he's always been a quiet favorite. Honestly, mm-hmm. he should win, but Tampa Bay getting freaking Antonio Brown like it, it, that's clip. I'm sorry, that's clip. Tom Brady that doesn't win. make Tom Brady MVP. Russell Wilson has been over consistent. Consistently well, overperforming. You're right. You're one of the right. Couple of seasons. I think it's you know, every like I always say, everybody talks about the Aaron Rodgers who over who underperformed based on what how people put him. They put him in the echelon with the Tom Brady's, with the Eli Manning's, with the Peyton Manning's, and he's not in the Drew Brees, and he's not there. You know, and him Aaron Rodgers? You don't think Aaron Rodgers up there? No. You just put, I, you just put Eli Manning. Sorry, no. I can't compare him to a Peyton Manning. I can't compare him to a Tom Brady. I can't compare mm-hmm. it to even a Drew Brees. Him and Drew only have one ring each. I feel like well, these guys have consistently over overperformed while Aaron Rodgers has performed like he's supposed to. You didn't we're say not that much help. Well, why we're not much help. But at the end of the day, Russell Wilson, I feel, gets kind of Backlog in these conversations, and he should be seriously considered in that same echelon as the rest. Well, why, I agree with well, that. Well, why was it take? What is your biggest takeaway of the season so um, far? Well, my biggest takeaway of the season so far is like I think Pete had touched on it a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. We debated a lot whether Tom Brady or Bill Belichick were, were going to kind of win this chess match of, of uh, the season, and it's looking mm-hmm. like. The Patriots are, are kind of tanking a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. They look really strong the first couple of weeks, and I guess once Cam got that COVID, you know what I'm saying? It's been kind of a tale of two teams. I think another important takeaway, I feel, that um, it is so – it's still very early to tell who's kind of going to be the team that's going to dethrone the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. It's even a possibility. And – no one thought that we'd be talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers in this capacity in this year. You know, mm-hmm. Big Ben kind of winding down at this point in his career. And he's another one that I feel that people don't really talk about like they do the Rodgers, the Brady's, the this, the that. You know what I'm saying? So I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of sleeper teams are kind of getting that rub. And there's teams who've been bad who are just as bad as not worse. There are teams that are kind of bungling, fumbling the bag, I feel. And then um, I feel like the Giants should just combine with the Jets and be the little Giants. I want to really quickly, Dre, I want to kind of uh, – Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, get to, okay, let me get to Matt so 
And oh, no, we got some comments that kind of like egged on something that uh, Tay said. Yeah, he's right. You're talking about what Shaq wrote. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, Tay was talking about how Russell Wilson has really overperformed, and Shaq said something in the comments that really needs to be brought up. Russell Wilson, reminds you, has done this while the Seahawks have had the worst defense they've ever had while Russell Wilson Ever. Has been there. Right? Ever. And so Ever. that just lends a lot of credence to what Tay is saying about Russell yes. Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. 100%. I, yep. Thank you for that, Pete. 100%. What my takeaway is, my takeaway is the Kansas City Chiefs are still the team to beat. It's just a matter of who's going to meet them there. Um, we're still, I don't know why everybody's still trying to pay attention to this Belichick and, and Tom Brady thing. Because I, it's a big deal. Because they, is it really a big deal? Because I don't see the Patriots going far. Like, like, I feel like he has that avenue where Bill Belichick can, like, just sit back and start devising a plan to get the Patriots where they need to be. Right. right? Everybody thought that that Tampa Bay was already going to be their Super Bowl contending team game one, and they looked Mm -hmm. kind of weak for the first couple of weeks as well. They looked kind of a little bit above average, if not mediocre, compared to the talent, the depth of talent that's on their roster. I guess the the, what's the phrase of the what's the phrase of the season? Uh, They have an embarrassing amount of wealth or talent that they have on their on, on their team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, just, it makes no sense for them. What's to their ever, record right now? Uh, they five and two. But I think what's interesting, what's interesting is with the way the NFL cap works, this could hinder Tampa Bay long term if they don't exactly get their Super Bowl this year or next year. If Brady's like here for two more years, if they don't get it now, like the way the NFL cap works, the way these these salaries, like you got guys salaries that affect you three years down the road. So mm-hmm. you know it could really tie Tampa Bay up in a lot of things. And I do want to say it is an important chess match between Belichick and Brady because everybody wants to make this. Everybody wants to say, well, is it Brady that made Belichick? Is it Belichick that made Brady? Right? What? Who did what? Who's really responsible for it? Listen, Bill Belichick will always get my respect. I don't like him because he's the coach of the Patriots and the way he left the Jets and disrespected us. I'll never really like him as a, in that respect, but I will respect him as a coach, right? That man has always been able to get the best out of his team. I will honestly say this just may be a team that he can't get a lot out of. You can't get, you can't get a lot out of something, out of nothing, right? Um, mm-hmm. I do want to make one last point before we move on to another topic. I think this year is also showing us that the year of the the romanticized quarterbacks is slowly coming to an end. And Tay mentioned a lot of them, right? Rodgers is Rogers is, is long in the tooth. Roethlisberger is long in the tooth. Brady's out, almost out. Breeze is almost out. Russell Wilson is the oldest among the next generation. But really, it's who? Wilson, Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. Right now, those are the three names. In, in the NFL that are the dominant, the dominant quarterbacks. Wow. It used to be you had six, seven, eight, nine guys that you were talking about as like, oh, my God, this is – I mean, we don't know yet about Kyler Murray, right? We don't know if he's going to be great. We don't know if Sam Darnold can turn around, if Daniel Jones can turn it around, if all the – if Foles or Wentz are even Burrow, any good. Joe Burrow, I feel, is going to kind of enter himself into that conversation in the next couple of years. But I do feel like the because those, they've played for almost two decades, so it's, right. it's been hard for somebody else to kind of climb that that ladder. Besides Mahomes and Matt, Lamar. I gotta ask you, 
Because you're talking about Mahomes, Mahomes. man. I was ask because you mentioned Mahomes, map, and and I'll give you this last one before we get out of here, right? Um, right. How does the NFL, but outside of Patrick Mahomes, Mm -hmm. how does the NFL define itself when these 20-year faces retire? Outside of Patrick Mahomes, how does the NFL do it? I don't even know. I'm not even going to hold you. I really really don't. I can answer that question. Tay, please. Yeah, Yo, because you still, Russell Wilson still has time. Deshaun Watson still has time. Patrick Mahomes still has time. It's still going to be defined by the power of the quarterback. That's why you still have a Dak Prescott, who I feel like, you know, injuries and the Dallas Cowboys juju, you know, kind of got him all effed up. But then you have people like, like I said, Joe Burrow. You still have Jimmy Garoppolo, who did a really good job last um last season too. I, I still feel like the quarterbacks are going to be carrying the conversation in the NFL. Somebody's background is really, really, really loud. Thank you. <laughs> she about to beat you. But yeah, I mean, I, and I feel like Lamar Jackson is is an entertaining quarterback. I, I know y'all didn't listen to him. Y'all didn't listen to him because y'all, y'all felt like we was going to stay on the basis of the dominant quarterbacks, right? Like the, the, yeah, but the most Lamar, yeah. I think Lamar still got stuff to prove, though. There's still questions. I feel like the only one that's his kryptonite so far has been Patrick Mahomes. He's he's performed like really, really well against other teams. Uh it's just when you play Kansas City. I just worry, home, Matt. Right? My yeah. issue with Lamar Jackson is this is he gonna be Mike Vick or is he gonna be Robert Griffin the third? And that's that's always my big question. And it, it's not just to Lamar Jackson either, but it's to a lot of those quarterbacks who their main weapon is their legs, who can throw, but they still are on their legs. I said the same thing about Cam Newton. I said the same thing about a lot of them. You know, and that's my question still about Lamar Jackson. Is he going to be the dominant dual threat that Michael Vick could have become? Or is he going to be another Robert Griffin the third? I, I mean, I hear you. Uh, more or less, I feel like, even with Cam Newton, I feel like Cam Newton just always needed a really good coach. And I feel like he fits in the Patriots as much as we hate the Patriots. I feel like he fits over them. So I would hope that, you know, they they, they add on some more years um, and, and he thrives in that in that situation because maybe Cam Newton needs a little better check. Yeah, but also keep in mind that COVID messes people up. It does. It does. So you, you, we haven't mm-hmm. seen him in full comfort level yet because they were mm-hmm. looking pretty good before that COVID crisis hit Cam Newton and the Patriots. They were looking pretty good. I'm not even going to take it from them. They didn't become the death of the Giants overnight. Yes. Think about it. Without much of training camp and no preseason. So, I mean – Give him that luxury. Ain't no telling what Cam Newton, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots could become. That's what I said. I, what is he on? He's on a one-year deal, right? So I mean, give him, give him another, give him another go around, and give him time to to, to thrive in that system. I feel like he can be more. He could be even valuable to that that organization. And I feel like he just needs a really good coach that believes in him. That's it. Cam Newton, I feel like Cam Newton still got stuff to prove as far as the glamorization of the quarterbacks question that you asked me. Well, um, 
y'all made very good points in terms of the season. Uh, just my quick takeaway is that um, right now you usually see just one super dominant team. Um, this year it's really – the league is up for grabs right now. Even with Kansas City playing the way they're playing, it's still up for grabs. I think it's going to be a rough road to the Super Bowl for Kansas City. I don't – I now saying that they won't repeat, I, I'm not going to quite say that yet, but it's going to be hard for them to, to do that. But um, from that, let's get into our pick five. Pete, what is our record so far? Um, so Tay and Matt are tied at 11 and four and me and you were tied at nine and six. So there was a two game gap. Uh, Tay got a little bit of the, uh, a little bit of, um, of a bump from that rescheduled Patriots game. Uh, Matt got a bump, uh, because y'all pressured me into taking the bears when I wanted to take the Rams and Matt took the Rams and I wanted to take the Rams. So Matt got that one right. And we all got it wrong. Um, so yeah, so uh, it's a two-way two-way tie for first and second right now. Uh, Tame Matt eleven and four, me and you at nine and six. Welcome to the bottom. <laughs> so um, here are the uh, pick five for this week. Uh, Pete, are you ready? Uh, give me one second. I am ready. Go ahead. Forty nine and Seahawks Queen. Who you got? Ah oh, shit. Um, excuse me. Uh. I picked the Seahawks. Okay. Matt. Uh, yeah, I'm going with the Seahawks. The only competition they got in the NFC West is the Cardinals. Pete. Seahawks as well. I'm not betting against my MVP. Um, I'm going to go with the Seahawks as well. If the if the Niners weren't as injury prone, because when I, I watched football last week, somebody else got hurt on their team, Maybe. But uh, still is Ravens. This is a good one because they are rivals. So mm-hmm. um, I'm going Ravens. Hmm. Uh, it's going to be tight. I think I, I predict that it's going to be like a 24-21. It's that secondary I'm worried about, though. That's the thing. Um. I'm gonna go with the Steelers. I'm going with the Steelers. I hope they don't let me down. <laughs> they don't let me down. But also, keep in mind the Ravens are coming off a bye week. Mm-hmm. Hey, who'd you take again? I'm taking the Ravens. Okay, and Matt, you took the Steelers. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna take the Steelers. I think Tomlin will figure out a way to slow down Lamar Jackson. I think that I think the Steelers have a better the better um, uh, quarterback right now. Roethlisberger is the veteran. I think Lamar's more talented than Ben, obviously. But I think Ben got the jitter game out of him last week because last week was a terrible game for Ben Roethlisberger, and I think he got that jitter game out of him. So I'm going to take the Steelers, but I think this is going to be a close one. I think this game is decided on a field goal or a last or, or a fourth quarter touchdown. I'm going to say Ravens. I'm at the bottom of the pile right now, and Tavia's at the top. So whatever Tavia picking, I'm picking. So, <laughs> um, um, no, but 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 realistically, uh, uh, I think the Ravens have a little bit more um, 
of an edge because they have the bye week. And the fact that um, the Steelers have have to play for 13 straight weeks, basically until the playoffs, and then into the playoffs. So they'll be essentially playing if, – if they get in the playoffs, they'll be playing 15 straight weeks. Some of these games you could kind of just like <sighs> well, yeah, you, you can relax, but I don't think they can relax against the Ravens. So I think the, the Ravens will get them because of fatigue. But um, the Patriots versus the Bills, um, AFC East matchup. The Patriots have been sliding a bit. So who do you get, Queen? I'm nervous about saying that the Patriots are going to lose four straight games. Um, I'll take the Bills. Because I'm thinking about who the Bills lost against. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like it might be the Bills. Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the Bills as well. I think the Bills need this game even more so. My this might be the chance to them separate themselves from Miami because yeah. Miami's been surging. And with Tua starting this week, the question is going to be can they get that first win facing the Rams? Um, so the Bills need this game, and I think Josh Allen needs something to bounce back against. And the Patriots may just be that. This may be that 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 beginning of the end for the Patriots uh, right here. This Bills game. And you said who they lost. So they lost to the Chiefs in the tournament. So, I mean, yeah. two not bad teams. So, I mean, yeah. Can't hear you, Dre. I really, really want to say the Patriots. Like, I really want to say the Patriots. And then now my pick has definitely changed because Stephon Gilmore is out. So, yes, wow. the, yeah. Bills. <laughs> the Bills. The Bills. The Bills. The God Bills. The Bills. Gotta love Shaq. Thank and you, Shaq. And Edelman is out. Oh, yeah, it's a wrap. The Bills. The Bills, y'all. The Bills. <laughs> the Bills. Um, Raiders, I'm, Browns. I'm, torn. I'm, I'm still torn about the Ravens Steelers, man. I, th- yeah. I think that's going to be that's gonna, that's a pick em game. That really is a pick em game. I'm not yeah. with that with my choice. <laughs> Listen, if you if, if you change, we change. That's the only thing I'm really worried about. All right, I have until tomorrow. I'm gonna sleep on it. All right, uh, Raiders Brown, so Raiders. Hmm. You said Raiders. Raiders. Matt said Raiders. Queen, who you got? I'm gonna go with the Raiders. Taking the Raiders as well. They have been surprisingly good this year. Uh, Derek Carr is looking uh, really, really good. Uh, and Chucky looked like he know exactly what he's doing with mm-hmm. them Raiders. Uh, I'm going to say. But listen, Dre, the Browns have looked really good, man. Baker Mayfield, man. That's what I was, that's what I was looking at. I was thinking, like, they've been playing pretty well. I'm I'm gonna be the one who falls off the ledge here, and I'm gonna take the Browns. I'll take the Browns. Shout and, out to OBJ. Yeah, 
for the remaining of the season. But OBJ Bear- wasn't doing too much at, uh, to begin with. A lot of that offense in Cleveland is built around Kareem Hunt and um, and uh, no, I'm um, getting uh, the name of the other running back. Uh I said, shout out OBJ because I'm rooting for everybody that's black. No, <laughs> so, the last game, Bears-Saints. I'm still going with the Bears. <laughs> I'm still going with the Bears. <laughs> One time I went against the Saints, the, um, the Saints I, 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 I lost. <laughs> so, I'm going with the Saints. Hey, who are you taking, Matt? Taking the Saints. Who are you taking, Pete? I am taking the Saints. I am not taking the Bears. Okay. <laughs> Look at this. Okay. We go through this the one week. <laughs> the one week I knew not to take the Bears. The one week I was going to stay strong and not take the Bears. Y'all pressured me into taking the Bears. And what happened? The Bears got spanked. Okay. They are who we thought they were. They're not going to beat the Saints. I'm taking the Saints. Even though I'm taking the Saints, right? Mm-hmm. The Bears are better than you say, Pete. That's what I'm trying to tell him. He he won't. He won't. I no, don't, the Bears what did Chicago do, do to you besides give you subpar pizza? You you want to know who what they did to me? Mm-hmm. Two words: Rex Grossman. Now <laughs> you still on that, bro? Yeah. Oh. That's personal. He went to a Super Bowl, bro. <laughs> Mill that in your brain for a minute. Rex Grossman went to a Super Bowl as a starting quarterback, not as a backup, not as a third string, not as a practice squad. He was the starting listed quarterback for a Super Bowl team. Okay, I don't like the guy that they got rid of. I think Foles is better than him. I think the, the Foles is good. I like Nick Foles. I got no disrespect to Nick Foles. I just don't like the Bears organization and what they've been trying to do the last couple of years. And I'm an old school Bears defense fan. I'm dub Bears, but now, no, no, <laughs> no. That's that's funny. Um, as we wrap this up, let's get into some wrestling. Um, SmackDown was pretty good last night. I'm not gonna lie to you. SmackDown was, was pretty good, especially with the storytelling. So, um, Street Profits defeated Shinsuke in, um, and Cesaro in, in a hard-hitting match. Really hard-hitting match. Um, let's see, what else? Kevin Owens defeated Dolph Ziggler to qualify for the uh, men's money, uh, the men's Survivor Series team. In his um, jeans, by the way. Wrestle in his, his jeans. jeans. I, don't know why he, I don't know why he keeps doing this. Um, yeah, Tyler last week, so I mean that's, that's not great. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Bianca Belair defeated Billy Kay and Natalia to uh, to qualify for the women's Survivor Series team. Uh, amazing, amazing talent. Um, I really want to see Bianca Belair and and, and Natalia now in you know a singles. Um, Lars Sullivan and Corey Graves had a pretty weird interview. It was. Wow. It was it was awkward. I, I, I just gotta ask why. Like, and why? Really, really, they're trying really. to humanize him. They're trying to humanize yeah. him. Not just have him go out there as a monster. And I'd rather you just have him go out there as a monster, even though I don't exactly. like. Exactly. You know what vibe I got? I got um, Heidenreich reading Michael Paul, Michael Cole poem. That's what that's 
That's the vibe I got from that stupid interview, by the way. Yeah. Pretty, weird. pretty weird. Sasha and Bailey continue on their story. Uh, and now we have next week on SmackDown, Sasha Banks versus Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, you know, the story, the now the storyline is that Sasha can win it, but can she defend it? And I think, uh, Tay, you brought this up at before the sell, like once she wins, that she has to defend it. It's, yeah, there's no choice. I think it's really important for her to have to to have a lengthy run mm-hmm. with a championship with the SmackDown Championship. Um, I'm wondering after. I think it's time to kind of wrap this Bailey stuff up, at yeah. least with them fighting. So often, you know, I think they gotta top it up a little bit, kind of mm-hmm. get them away from each other after this rematch. Mm-hmm. And like open up the mill for for new faces and and smack down to kind of get into a story with um Sasha, you know? mm-hmm. and then if you want to bring them back together, you know for WrestleMania or for Royal Rumble or whatever, I just mm-hmm. I think that you have to kind of space them out a little bit now. Um, I think the story the storyline had kind of wrapped up with Sasha winning, kind of let her you know defend and then. Bring them back together if you want that. I'm just more or less. I I, I need protection for Sasha because her on the mic is not as great as it needs to be. So I mean, I got. I, I look. I'm being honest. I, I don't. I, she, like, did all right. she did all right, but she has moments where you just be like, really, Sasha. But everybody does that. though, and I think yeah, that it's hard I, because now you don't have a crowd to kind of really feed into what you're saying so you don't know necessarily if what you're saying is resonating with the biggest superstars of them all which are the fans you get what i'm saying so it's like you don't understand you can't really take social cues if you're talking to the tv i mean yeah you're 100 right i'm just with the whole the, the survivor series thing i'm i'm really not Feeling Survivor Series this year, and I, I think it might be because I don't think I don't see NXT being involved with it. I feel like last year was so great. Why did they just exclude them this year? It it just I would love I would I would I would be more enticing to see Sasha and Oscar again with Io Shirai in the mix too. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I've seen Sasha and Oscar like at least thirteen times this year. Right. Do we do another invasion angle though? Are we at that? I, I don't think that. I think what would have been cool is if the retribution angle could have turned into something like that for Survivor Series, but I think that that's kind of taken its own life. So, um, for some reason, I do see NXT getting involved. The colors still have the the yellow, um, red and blue. So but we didn't mention nothing about it. Like from yeah, what remember the NXT thing wasn't mentioned this far in advance. Either this is the first basically week of the Survivor Series buildup because we're just coming off of Hell in a Cell, so I, I wonder if they're going to kind of have these matches. I'm not really interested in seeing Orton and Roman in a match together because it kind of doesn't make unless you have something interesting happen. Um, so adding someone else in the mix might be better. So That's I what I'm saying. That even with the even with Sasha's um, promo, she said, I- "I'm gonna show Oscar that I'm the best, and I'm, I'm the best in the world." I'm like, "Just you and Oscar?" 
like what happened to Eel or you know, that's what that's how I was like, maybe it is just Raw and SmackDown. I hope yeah, I mean, it doesn't need to be an invasion. I think last year was more of an invasion, but it was also to solidify NXT as the third brand. And if you really want to show NXT as a third brand, they don't need to invade. They just need to kind of show up or be involved in the marketing. Um, I mean, unfortunately, with Balor being injured right now, we don't know when he's going to be able to compete uh, with the jaw injury that he had. I know they're keeping the championship on him in NXT. you know. And then do we really want Balor thrown in there against Orton and, and Reigns? Because, you know, Balor's just going to be the sacrificial lamb there, and I really He's held his own against both, though. What? He's held his own in the past against. Oh, no, he held. He's held his own. Yes, he will. But I think right now with Roman. Mm-hmm. But with the build that they have right now with Roman and the build they have right now with Orton, I think it wouldn't be beneficial to someone like a Finn to step into that match. I agree with Matt 100%. I would love to see, even as a dream match, something like an EO and Sasha and Asuka. Because, yes, I'm tired of Sasha and Asuka. But I'm, I'm, I'm more tired of Sasha and Asuka than I am of even Bailey and Sasha because I think there's so much more story development. To he, holding on, he holding on to that Sasha and <laughs> You know what it is? And 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 Dre he said this to start. Indian, that, that story <laughs> Dre, I think Dre kind of said it earlier, right? SmackDown has been the land of stories, which has been really great. And SmackDown has done a great job at really getting, uh, really building layered stories. And I think the story between Bailey and Sasha, even though yes, time-wise it has dragged on, but when you get lost in a story like this. It really is kind of great, and I like the whole, you know, the, the wrinkle that Bailey threw in yesterday. I signed under duress, right? A whole bunch of other stuff. So, um, but I do agree with Tay that they do have to wrap it up sooner rather than later because you're eventually going to start running out of plot points to start grabbing at. Um, I love what they're doing. I love what they did with the Street Profits because it made them look a little bit more legitimate by putting them in a very hard-hitting match against Cesaro and Nakamura. I'm just... At that point where I'm just like, I'm going to beat the drum. They got to do something with Cesaro and Nakamura, either as a tag team, really give them a dominant run or break them up again and let them do something in singles. But I am a huge fan of both of those men as competitors. Um, as, as and, and we all know the success Cesaro had in a tag team in, in, in Ring of Honor before he got to the WWE. So if you want to keep Cesaro in a tag team for the rest of his career, go right ahead. But give them something really good to sink their teeth into, not just keep throwing them out there to be like these shells of themselves. Um, or, or break them up and let them be really good singles guys at least one last time. Um, but, and you know, Dre, um, I, I really want to give a lot of roses on SmackDown. To Daniel Bryan, mm-hmm. um, not just not just for the match he had with Jay Uso last night, which, which was, was great, great, um, great. But and again, we we all spoke about this before. I like what they're doing with Jay because they're putting him in places with people who have resumes larger than him and making him look like he's always belonged in that spot, well, which I really love. Nucleus, though, what? Huh? He's not the nucleus. Oh no, he's not the nucleus, but oh, it's building. Not. It's it's giving Jay that 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 extra resume himself, right? Because he didn't he obviously Jay didn't build that before facing a Roman, but now doing it afterwards. But After to he me, where Roman, I was he going, beats a Daniel Bryan clean, who's a former heavyweight yeah. champion. Yeah, but yeah. He, also, he, he also beat AJ Styles clean before Roman too. So. Right, I know, but it, this um, is what I'm saying. This is what Pete is saying. Like it's after that, it's like he, they put him in a spot where it makes him 
seem like he's supposed to be there. Got mansplaining because I get it. Um, I get, I, uh, it. I get what you're saying. Just because I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily like. I get. I feel like Jay Uso, and you know, this is a chance to kind of like everyone was like they weren't really feeling the storyline because they didn't know where Jay Uso was gonna go. Like, I don't feel like he needed to even be a Daniel Bryan to get his legitimacy up because the storyline is that good. Um, where I wanted to give Daniel Bryan his flowers, though, not only because of his matchup last night, but because in the last couple week, in the last week or so, we've just been hearing so much uh, about Daniel Bryan, about how he's uh, helping and effectively being a, a great conduit for a lot of talent backstage. Um Biggie, Biggie spoke about how Daniel Bryan was really a big, um, a big supporter of him being on a singles run. Um, Daniel Bryan has talked about a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people have talked about how Daniel Bryan has really put them on a pedestal, really pushed for them backstage. There are rumors going around that Daniel Bryan may or may not be a part of the SmackDown creative team. Um, and so to me, I want to give Daniel a lot of flowers because we know that this is his last full time run, but He's, I think he's really doing so much with it. And I think Daniel's going to do so much to put so many people in positions so that when he does step away, they have so, so many great players to, to, to work with uh, after he's done with them. So I really want to give Daniel Bryan a lot of, a lot of flowers for that, uh, for what he's doing for the rest of the talent on the SmackDown roster. Um, but just getting to the big, the big story about Jay Uso, um, Aligning himself with Roman yesterday, it added another layer to the storyline. Um, and now it makes us know who's next. I said in our chat that Roman's, Roman has kind of a Thanos tone, you get what I'm saying, and delivery of how he's been kind of moving. You know, no yelling, no, and everything is cold, calculating, you know, very, you know, mafia like movement. You get what I'm saying? And I like what they're doing, kind of uplifting the the beauty of the Samoan culture, which is something like I, I keep saying that we haven't really seen in this capacity. And I think that it's going to lead to a lot more than what we're seeing now. Because I want to see how Jimmy's going to fit into this. If, you know, Naomi's going to fit into this at some point, even though she's on Raw. You get what I'm saying? Like, you know, she was mentioned last week as part of it. You know what I'm saying? So I love this. Um, I think that it's really engaging. As somebody who's watching, that's not like a a, a smart, you know what I'm saying? Um, I think it's, it's I, I'm excited. I've always said Roman equals money. And my dude going to be on the MTV EMAs too. So we'll see how this kind of unfolds. Yeah, I love I yeah. love what we, I've love what they done with Roman. Um, I've always known that Roman is equal to money, so I agree with you, Tay. But this is a side of Roman. This character development side of Roman Reigns is really what I'm loving more than Roman as what he was the last couple of years. I've always loved when they let people really delve into character and stories. Um, and this really is the this is this is really honestly this is al pacino's godfather with a samoan twist and it's freaking awesome right but i feel like this, everyone says that they would have preferred to see this years ago but they needed the face of the company i feel and i feel like roman had to fill the cena shoes and he was you know 
Everyone loves him except for the internet, the, the the internet snarks who have no idea, you know. Yeah, punk fans. No, you know who couldn't, who couldn't book their way, who couldn't book their way out of a Southwest flight. Like, mm. Um, all in all, the storyline. Uh, we forgot Ray and 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 the Mysterio um, stuff, but whatever, whatever. So we can um, we can touch on that because that was a big deal too. Um. Yeah, Aaliyah kissed Murphy, and of course we we were making jokes inside the job the job tears group. We understand that she is of age. Again, for for the storyline, it's just the storyline is not good, which is why people are saying what they're saying and making jokes about good. it. I don't think it's not good. I think it's it's good. I just want to see where it's going to go. Had uh, Andre, I w- I want to jump on that. Had it had it been its own storyline. Had it mm-hmm. permeated by itself, mm-hmm. I think it would be okay, even though I would still have personal issues with the age gap, right? Mm-hmm. Here's where I think the storyline becomes very, very stale. This is a continuation of Seth and, uh, Seth and Mysterio, which has been going on what feels like three freaking years now. Like, And it, it's just like that seems so never-ending, and it's just continuing, continuing, and continuing. If Buddy Murphy, Aaliyah, and the Mysterios had been a storyline all by itself and had permeated out of nowhere, I would have more interest in it even having my own personal issues with the age gap between Aaliyah and Buddy Murphy. I don't necessarily have an issue with the age gap because this is not real life. You get what I'm saying? It's not. They're not portraying it as a 19-year-old hooking up with a 31-year-old. You get what I'm saying? We the, in, in the universe... We don't know how old Murphy is. Now, what I feel with the, the missed opportunity, I feel like it would have been bigger if this hookup would have costed something for the Mysterio camp. Like back in the days when, when Triple H was doing heinous stuff, you get what I'm saying? And then Stephanie aligned herself with him, you know what I'm saying, at the detriment of her father, her brother, and this and, and all the people who were defending her. You get what I'm saying? I feel like this that was this missed opportunity which made it fall a little flat. Matt, your thoughts on the storyline? Uh I was honestly more or less with the Pete thing. I don't really care about the, the age gap. I think that's just people overthinking it. It's a story. Suspend disbelief, just watch the watch the show. I think there's nothing wrong with having an opinion, but if you're overthinking your opinion. You're, you're killing the vibe of the story, and then you, you, it's the, it defeats the purpose of even watching. But I'm more with Pete. I just feel like it's been going on forever. I think like shortly, a little bit after WrestleMania, this has been going on because the stream rules is like right after WrestleMania, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. So like it's been going on since like May. We're in October. We're in October. Tomorrow's November. Like. When will it end? <laughs> I'm just I'm overseeing Rey Mysterio with the eye patch. I'm overseeing different ways of seeing Dominic lose to, to Seth Rollins. I'm over it. I don't really care to I don't really care for it. I like the fact that they're using Buddy Murphy and he's being used because he's really talented. But it, like I said, it's an overthinking thing and it's been going on for too long. That's Pretty much how I feel about it. There just needs to be some type of shock value. 
Um, they should. I, I feel like the Mysterio family. I think there's so many different ways the storyline could still go. Believe it or not, you get what I'm saying. But I just think that it has to have like a clear cut purpose at this point because I feel like Seth should be leaving pretty soon. If I'm yes. Now, yes. unless unless this Rey Mysterio injury maybe is a little bit more uh, uh, detrimental to his in-ring ability than we thought, I mean, I could see this eventually leading to a Buddy Murphy Dominic tag team, which I think would be good because SmackDown does not SmackDown does not have a lot of tag teams. Uh, Dominic could get somebody to really lean on. Murphy gets somebody to really get to show his abilities with, and you kind of you know play into a whole bunch of different things, but. Unless it's going to go down that road, it's going to be something's going to get wrapped up. To me, like it's it's just been going on way too long. I agree. I agree. But guys, great hey, show. One great. One last thing. One last thing. Put the iconics back together. Yes, please. please. Yes, please. Please, Jesus. Please, Jesus. Hey, man. They are gold. They were, I mean, the little that I've watched of them, I was engaged with their stuff. They were very, really good. I don't even, oh, Sasha and, uh, not Sasha, Naya and um, Shayna have the best stuff. No, it's not that I forgot Mm -hmm. that they were even around, like them them, them belts. They're they're, they're feuding with the Riot Squad, right? Mm -hmm. Forget all about it. Yeah, but yes, very good episode, guys. Very good episode. Um, shouts to the Jabba Tears Network, um, two and a half bros, the Jabba Tears podcast. Um, and we have a new show coming out soon, don't miss that. Um, and also the uh, talk of champions. Um, guys, any last words? Dre, make sure you buy wrestling toys. <laughs> also, I'm not gonna hold you. Yes. But um two things. Twilight, the movie series, was better than Venom. Venom the 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 the, the Venom movie, like the Oof. Oh no. <laughs> oh I can't no. I've watched no. it over the past twenty four hours and yep. <sighs> No, y'all gotta watch Lovecraft Country. That is dope. Not watching Twilight right now. It's weird, but <laughs> okay. it's dope. you gotta watch it. No, you gotta I'm watch Twilight all day. I'm, I'm good on that. I'd mm. rather Harry Potter. I'm sorry. Oh man, huh? <laughs> it's not the same. I didn't. I didn't say it was. I'm just saying I would prefer mm-hmm. that. Okay. That. And also remember, vote. Yes, vote, Please vote, vote, vote. Please vote. Um, nobody is telling you who to vote for, but as a mi- as a minority, please oh, use vote. And stop being a voice. fake advocate, a fake advocate on Facebook if you're not gonna go into the voting booth and, right. and do it. Right. Right. Educate yourself, please. Like mm-hmm. we too old for some of the people in our age group to be talking nonsense to be talked online. It sounds really crazy out there in these streets. And please stop thinking that these celebrities have your best interests at heart when it comes to to voting. Please stop thinking any uh, like like anybody in the higher ups have their best interests at heart. A lot of people are looking out for themselves, unfortunately. So please educate yourself, as T said. So for the queen, Queen Tay, 
for BK Matt. For the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado, it is your boy, Big Baby. I really like that Venom movie. That Venom movie was whack, bro. It was terrible from a comics perspective because I'm a big fan of the Spidey mythos. But uh, as as a standalone, I started to look at comics movies as like a standalone thing. As Mm -hmm. a movie, it was great. As a comic variation of a movie, terrible. It is your boy, Big Baby, signing off. Peace.